0: Want to hone your craft as a digital marketer and get expert insights from thought leaders and industry experts? Welcome to the How I Work podcast. I'm your host, Josh Becerra, founder and president of Agurion. Follow us on Twitter at Agurian Tweets or subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. Now, here's the episode of the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. This is episode 13 of How I Work with Ben Saylor, Inbound Marketing Director at CoSchedule, a work management software platform designed for marketers. Thanks for being here, Ben.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I I, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I know your path started in journalism, but you got somehow found your way to marketing. Tell us a little bit about the journey and how you ended up at CoSchedule.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you are correct that my my path started in the journalism world. I went to college for journalism and PR. And then like initially, I really wanted to be a music journalist, which I knew was a long shot. There's not a ton of full-time gigs in that field. And it's still something that I do on the side, just like on a freelance basis. What kind of music?
0: What's
1: your jam? Mostly rock music, mostly underground punk and indie rock bands, which, yeah, it's a very fulfilling passion project, if not a particularly financially lucrative one. So I knew from the beginning when I was in school that I would probably need to find some other field to get into, even though I was... And that was why I, I added a PR emphasis to my degree was because I saw... The writing on the wall for the journalism industry it's and kind of knew that journalism in general was going to be a difficult field to to break into and to be able to build a sustainable living <laughs> Sure. That area, but I knew that the skill set was relevant elsewhere, like in PR and other areas of marketing. And by the time I graduated, I had steered my my skill set more in that direction and had gotten some relevant internships and things like that, and made sure I had a, a good resume and a good portfolio when it was time to, to you know actually start actively job hunting. And and to make matters more difficult, I also graduated in the middle of a recession. So. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of, of hiring going on in general. So it took me about 15 months after graduating to get my first career job, which was as a, just as a content writer at an e-commerce company. And so I spent a couple of years there. And then I went to an agency um, called Sundog Interactive, which was recently acquired by Proficient, which is just a very large agency with locations all over the country. And I spent about a little over a year and a half there working with manufacturing and healthcare and financial services companies primarily. And then while I was there, Garrett Moon, the CEO and co-founder here at CoSchedule, just sent me a message out of the blue on LinkedIn. Just said, hey, like we're a new startup here in, in North Dakota where we're based. Would love to just talk to you about you know what you've got going on and what we've got going on, and maybe see if there's a fit. And I actually ignored it initially, <laughs> just because I wasn't looking to move on from where I was at the time. And, and we all get all kinds of spam and stuff That's in disgusting. LinkedIn, so it's it's easy to to tune it out sometimes. But I've learned not to do that so easily we got connected exactly and yeah I've I've gotten so many cool opportunities through that platform I think for as much as people like to dunk on it yeah and so
0: so it was compelling and you showed up at co-schedule what were you like employee number what I
1: was was employee number 26 with the company overall but I think I was like maybe employee like Probably like seven or eight, like working on Co-Schedule. Garrett and our other co-founder, Justin Walsh, they ran an agency called Today Made. It's like a technology agency. And they actually developed Co-Schedule as a WordPress plugin, it was like a side project, like this other like product that they were selling on the side. And when they saw that schedule was just picking up so much steam and it really looked like it was something that had the opportunity to flourish as its own company, they sold off the the agency, like the branding, like the IP, I guess you yeah, would yeah, call yeah. it, but kept all the talent and just rolled all their people in the schedule. And so that happened like a week after I had started <laughs> <laughs> with the company thinking that co-schedule was going to be like this small thing. And then they rolled 80% of their headcount into this one thing. And so I was like, oh, this has got to be something pretty serious that I've gotten myself into here. So yeah, that's
0: awesome. It's great yeah. when like a side project can like go boom and all of a sudden it becomes the the core business. So yeah. a background as a writer, uh, thought about journalism, love writing, you're a big believer in SEO and content. And I know that CoSchedule has amazing content and you are that program that you're running is uh, quite successful. So why don't you tell us like the top three things you try to accomplish with every piece that you're publishing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Upholding are what we call our standards of performance for content with everything we publish is extremely important. And it's really what I, I tie a lot of our success back to. So three things that we want to accomplish with every piece we publish, like first and foremost, it needs to be actionable. And I feel like that's a vague concept to a lot of people. And it means, yeah, it means different things to different people, but What it means to us is that every piece, if it's going to tell the reader to do something, it should also show them how to do it. Got it. A lot of content out there will just cram as many ideas as it can Mm -hmm. into a post, but it will leave the reader with really no idea how to actually go implement anything because it's just jumping from one thing to the next, like very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Or it'll just be like, it'll just tell you, like, hey, these are things that you should do. And then you're just on your own to right, figure right. It out. So,
0: okay, so make it actionable. That's one.
1: Yes. Two, we want to make sure it's comprehensive. Um, that's really not as groundbreaking of a concept now as it was like five years ago, because I think the industry is generally caught up to understanding the value. Of comprehensiveness. But what that means, I think a lot of people take that to mean your content should be really long. What we take it to mean, and what we think marketers should take that to mean, is that you don't leave out anything that's important in that content. So Google's goal is to get people the information they need in as few clicks as possible. Right. And so when you create something that can answer the whole query in one click, You're serving the user's goals. You're serving Google's goals. You're serving your own goals. And so that's really important. Cool. The last thing, and this kind of gets to be subjective, like anytime you're talking about quality, but we want to feel like everything that we publish is the best thing on the internet for that topic. And if it's not like objectively the best at the very least, we want to make sure that it is introducing something to the internet that does not exist already. Yeah, yeah. So there needs to be either like a unique angle or just something in there that is missing.
0: I love that. We talk about, you try to be the best answer, right? Like right, That is yeah. really what, you're, what you're going for. And yeah, sometimes there's other great answers, but if you yep. can have like a unique point of view on something, that's where... Google will start paying attention to you. You might end up showing up in some of those snippets at the top and all kinds of good stuff. Absolutely. Um, So like with this finely tuned SEO content program that you have going, are there any new like inbound initiatives or ideas that you're thinking about that you're excited about for the next
1: 18 months? Yeah, absolutely, there's several. So at this point, Our blog has a lot of content Mm -hmm. on it. And we have over 600 blog posts that are just focused on providing value to an audience and are just meant to be like really strong educational pieces on just how to do marketing Mm -hmm. in, in general. I can see us in the next 12 to 18 months, like really pivoting away from maybe not publishing so much stuff that's new but rather just building upon what we already have and really making sure that our most important content our our top performing content remains our top performing content. Yeah, uh, And just making sure that we're refreshing things and keeping things up to date and not, not letting that content rot. Something else that we've seen success with rather than just creating blog posts is creating like more robust, I, I think like, The term that people use is like topic clusters or content clusters, but multi-page like guides, just like more in-depth resources. That's something we've seen some success with and we'll likely do more of that. Again, it gets back to being the best answer. If you have a broad topic that warrants something that robust, that's definitely something that we want to do more of. And then also we're starting to pay more attention to CR and making sure that Our content is not only providing a good experience for readers and for potential customers and current customers, but making sure that content is converting the way that we want. And so really I would say we're really gonna be focused on making the most out of what we have. I think sometimes as marketers, as particularly in content marketing, it's easy to get caught up in this rat race of thinking that you've always gotta be doing something new And then just like shipping something and then immediately moving on to the next thing. And I think that's something we've probably fallen prey to a bit over the years. And so so it's just kind of a pivot that we're making just as as our our company and as our content marketing operation, that's the direction I see us moving in.
0: I love that with 600 blog posts, I'm sure you got lots of stuff to refresh and you probably have some really high performing things. We've... Definitely seen the positive outcomes of doing blog refreshes, of doing CRO. Definitely think you're on the right track there. That sounds awesome. When prepping for today, you mentioned, I wrote down a quote, you said, the way you get things right is by getting things wrong sometimes and learning. Yep. So tell us a little bit about what you mean by that.
1: Yeah, so I think that... It's really easy to look at what companies you admire are doing or what your competitors are doing and to think, wow, like these people really have it figured out and we are so far behind. But the reality is that what you don't see always public is you don't see the litany of mistakes (laughs) that people make on the way to getting to that point where the where the output is always very polished and at least has the appearance of being successful and so i think as a result i think what that kind of drives marketers to do is they won't ship anything that's not perfect they won't ship anything that they don't think is on par with what these other companies are doing and It's really unfortunate because the way that you get, like the way that you find success with SEO and with content marketing is you have to do lots of small things very quickly and learn as much as you can from those things and try to find just the little like sparks that kind of indicate that like certain things might might work well for you if you were to put more resources into them. And I think what a lot of marketers do is they get backwards and they want to throw lots of resources into a perfect thing Mm -hmm. only to then find out that something was off with their strategy or that thing wasn't really what people wanted or they burn a lot of time and money taking guesses rather than testing things to find what's going to work first. So that's what that means. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, from our perspective, especially in SEO is there's, you can read a lot of blogs about, Hey, this is a best practice, or this is what's working now, or here's a new strategy or tactic that somebody has vetted. And so it, it's, everybody should start adopting this. Yep. And while all of those things are great from a perspective, we like to test against those things. Yeah. Okay. You're telling us that we need to do these things. And we say, is that actually true? And so we'll do some testing. And then the so not just following like best practices. And then the other the flip side of that is if all you do is follow those best practices, then you're always on the the end of that adoption curve. Yep. And what where you really can see success with SEO is if you challenge yourself to be at the like at the innovative side of that adoption curve where you're like an early adopter where you're trying to test things yourselves or you're paying attention to some of the very early adopters and testing what they're trying to test because that's where you get you're on that like of that bell curve. You're on the the side where it's just starting to go up and innovate and where you're adopting best practices Mm -hmm. that now have been blogged about by 10 people, search engine land or whatever, the tail end of that adoption curve. And yeah, you might get some benefits, but it's not the same as if you're an early adopter. So I totally get what you're saying about trying to
1: do new things Mm -hmm. and
0: you might end up failing, but that's okay because the things that you do get right will have a compounding lasting effect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, and, and you're not going to get it right all the time, yeah. but but that's also not the point. I think you really nailed it just in the way you articulated that. It's like like failure is part of the process and it's a lot better to fail at something small and move on to a different idea or yep. to find that idea than it is to go all in on something that you were told was going to work or that you were told as a best practice or whatever the case may be. And then to have that fail, that's a lot more costly and a lot more stressful and, and just yeah. anxiety inducing than yeah, shipping something quick that might not the thing that you ship might not look the best. It might not be perfect, but that's okay. If you can get comfortable with just skinning your knees a few times before you get it right, then th- that's how that's how all those companies that people think are so genius, that's how they get there. And you don't have to be a wildly innovative, creative mind necessarily to get the kinds of results that those companies do. You just have to have a a culture of testing and a a healthy tolerance for failure. And that's, like you said, that's what keeps you ahead of the curve. If you're just following what other people are doing, you're already behind. And you're never going to get off that hamster wheel of just constantly feeling like you're never quite getting it right. And that someone else is always two steps ahead of you and. But I think if you can not worry about that so much and just focus on trying to find what's going to work for you, at least like what I've found is sometimes that will lead you to doing things that cut against the grain of public opinion a little bit because you can see that they work in, in your specific circumstance. And it might also mean like doing things that really aren't that groundbreaking at all, just because they work. Like sometimes best practices are best practices for a reason. For sure. You want to validate that against your own experience, like you were saying, and somewhere in the middle there, that's where you really, you you really find a success. Cool.
0: Okay. So last question. So co-schedule, you guys are doing a lot of awesome things. One thing I like to ask guests is who are you paying attention to? So you said you look around and other companies that are doing cool things and you think mm-hmm. they have it right. So there are those kinds of companies. Tell us who do you think is doing an amazing mark job at marketing online or who's killing it right
1: now? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of names and a lot of companies I can throw out there, but I'll maybe just focus on a few. One of my favorites right now is uh, Ahrefs. Or Hrefs. I actually don't know how they pronounce it. I always feel like I'm getting it wrong. I'm not going to try. <laughs> but we know who, who we're talking about. Yeah, we use their, their that's the SEO software we use. Yeah. I think they make a really great product. And I think they have a very smart product strategy. Mm -hmm. Just like everything that they put in, like the the features that they add and the enhancements that they make always strike me as being very smart and focused on the right things. And also like their content, they don't really do anything wildly groundbreaking by any means, but everything they do is extremely good. Yeah. Very smart and very insightful, data-backed. If I see a blog post from their blog, I know that's going to be a good post that I'm probably going to learn something from. So I I really think that they're really setting a, a really good example, I think, of how to do things the right way. So they would be one for sure. Someone else that I like on LinkedIn, John Bonini from Databox. He has a it's a pretty low cost. I think it's 10 bucks a month. He has a side hustle called some good content and everything that he posts on LinkedIn is just consistently just like some of the best, just like content marketing education that I think that anyone out there is really like putting out right now. But, and again, I just, I feel like he's consistently focused on sharing the right things yeah. That people actually need to be thinking about and then actually goes the next step into actually like showing people how to do those things. So I think he's definitely somebody worth looking up and like the data box blog in general, I think does a really great job. The way that they handle expert roundups in particular, I think is really good. We've all seen plenty of pieces that are like 50 random tips from a bunch of people in the industry Mm -hmm. and it's just a disjointed mess of random advice and sometimes it's useful and I'm sure that content does I'm sure it drives results because you have so many people that are included who are then going to want to promote it and so it gets amplified that way but they're really good about rounding up lots of what Like like they'll round up like all their like quotes and tips and things from industry thought leaders and, and whatever, but they're really good at taking all of that and stitching it into an actual like coherent narrative. Yeah. So it's not just like a copy paste list of a bunch of stuff people said. There's actually like a narrative structure to it, yeah, which, like it which is, which it, it's such a simple thing, but no one else really does it yeah. that, that I can see. Uh, And then lastly, I'd say uh, just for doing really uh, an example of a company doing really good content marketing, uh, the Zapier blog is top-notch. I have hired freelancers, not solely because they had Zapier in their portfolio, but that was a really strong indicator that those writers know what they're doing because I think that blog has set such a high standard. Uh, for themselves that they, they don't miss when they publish. It. It's, it's always really good stuff. And I think that they're another really good example of a, of a company to to look at. I guess the one last example I'll, I'll throw your way, all of those examples are very focused on SaaS. So for a company that's kind of outside that space, um, my favorite brand doing marketing on the internet that I will talk about, Anytime I get the chance to do like today, like okay. like this conversation we're having right now. Let's hear it. Um this company called Sweetwater, they're a musical instrument e-commerce company. And I think if you were to go on their site, there wouldn't really be anything about it that immediately would jump out as being exceptional in any way. Mm-hmm. But if you actually try shopping around on their site and you actually Buy something from them. Everything that they do, from like their paid ad strategy, their SEO strategy, their inbound like content marketing strategy, like their content's usually pretty good. Their YouTube channel's great. Yeah, uh, all the things that they do to build an audience to bring people into their site, and then just the whole checkout process, just the UI and the UX, just the way that everything is laid out, is just the way that it should be. But then. Mm, the post-purchase experience, like when you buy something from them, the way that they do things is really incredible. They, you get like a level of personalization with them uh-huh. that makes you feel almost as though you are actually standing in a store talking to an actual person. That's very which, cool. which is because in the the way, like there, there's got to be some like fairly complex backend technology and like CRM and automation and all this stuff. But every time you buy something from them, you will talk to the same person every time. Like you become like you're assigned to an an account manager who will follow up by email. You'll get a phone call, be like, Hey, how's that thing you bought? How's that working out? Which is like really important for musical instruments because those are very often, like that stuff is often very expensive. It's very personal. It's oftentimes it's stuff that you're going to want to hold on to and use for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And so they really go the extra mile to make sure that you're getting the support you need and that you're happy with what you bought. And what's really incredible about them is that, they have grown in a highly competitive space. Like they've gone from being practically nobodies Mm -hmm. on the internet to being who I really see as like the front runner in that space. And like, they've knocked off competitors that are massive that would have been unthinkable to think that these companies were ever not going to be the top dog. And so for they have they've been in business, I think, since the 70s, and they have a brick-and-mortar store somewhere in Indiana. It's just some like mom and pop (laughs) operation that went on the internet and then just absolutely clobbered giant, venture-backed, enormous, kind of soulless. yeah. Yeah. And so it's just really amazing. It's, I think that if anybody who is curious about UX, about SEO, uh, about any like, like sales, yeah, customer content, support,
0: personalization, all of those things, all of it,
1: end to end, the entire experience. If you just want to see a textbook example of how to do things in a way that is not necessarily flashy, but is highly effective where they're just they're not missing any part of the process just go on there and buy something small buy something for five bucks and just go through the whole experience even if you don't play music and just see how they handle things because like i'll order something as small from them as like a set of strings the most basic replaceable thing you need to buy all the time and it might cost four bucks and I'll get a phone call. It's, hey, how are those strings working out for you from the same guy? And this is a billion dollar company at that's this great. point. So yeah, I feel like uh, that's, that's cool. a lot of talking, but. I love how you brought it all the way back to music,
0: which is, I know a passion for you. That's so cool. yeah, and, and we could probably talk about music, that kind of stuff for a long time. But yep. but I really appreciate your time talking about marketing. I mm-hmm. know that co-schedule is, A platform designed for marketers. Uh, So check that out. But for now we're going to say goodbye for episode 13, How I Work. Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.